Hi everyone, welcome to another Beef and Lamb New Zealand Seen and Heard podcast. We're back on some productivity topics in the next couple of podcasts. Um, as you might have noticed, the last ones have been quite a bit of business management stuff, but um, certainly the ones about uh, the nuts and bolts of day-to-day farming of sheep and cattle are extremely popular. So today we're talking early weaning of lambs with Paul Kenyon from Massey University, who a number of you will know. Um, Paul, I did write it down, but I'm not going to... So your job title now? Uh, Deputy Head of the School of Agriculture and Environment at Massey University. And also Professor of Sheep Husbandry. Correct. Right. So still doing a lot of day-to-day research on growing great lambs and hoggett lambing and all that sort of thing? Yep. Yep, we've got a lot on. Right. So if you haven't, I can recommend back, we were trying to remember, it was at least two years, maybe three years ago, that we did a podcast with Paul on hoggett lambing. So I'd recommend going and having a look at that one, or a listen rather. Um, and this one today is actually going to tie in with it a wee bit. So early weaning of lambs, Paul. Um now, you and I, our careers have sort of been similar time frame. I remember the late 90s, we were talking to farmers constantly, minimum live weight at weaning of about 25 kilos because the lambs grow better, better that's when they start to be better off mum, otherwise they're better left on mum. You're now talking about weaning quite early down to a minimum quite a bit below 20 kilos. So why and how? What's the, what have you found? And we're going to dig into detail, so the, the, the summary, I guess, of the topic, or the idea. So basically, early weaning or relatively early weaning is, is an option when uh, feed quantity and quality is starting to decline in uh, mid to late lactation. Um, most of our breed types are used, they peak their milk production within the first two or three weeks and then milk declines and starts to decline quite rapidly after around about week eight. So if the lamb's not getting much milk, from the ewe and the pasture quantity and quality is poor, the ewe and the lamb become a competitor. And under that situation, uh, probably the growth of, of the lamb is negatively affected and can be quite significantly negatively affected. And of course the ewe is still trying to produce milk and so she's losing condition as well. So relative early weaning is, is a way of focusing the feed you need on those young lambs if you've got some good quality feed around, but also taking the pressure of lactation off the use to try to either maintain condition or get them to put on a bit more condition in late spring, early summer. All right. So the next 45 minutes to 60 minutes, we'll see how long it goes. We're going to drill into some of the detail, when it works, why it works, how to make it work successfully and, and what some of the traps are. I just want to come back, that 25 kilo minimum live weight that we used to preach or, or certainly encourage, what was the thinking behind that? It was something about a lamb of that size can get what it needs from traditional ryegrass white clover pasture. Was that the... Yeah, so to get to 25 or so kilos, it's probably taken um, 80 to 90 days minimum um, on many of our farming situations, given that average lamb weaning weight's around 100 days, around 28 kilos. But at that stage, the rumen's developed uh, well enough so that the lamb can cope with consuming herbage only, even when the herbage isn't of great quality. Uh-huh. So it was about giving it time for the rumen to develop. Okay. So the... the, the the idea behind the early weaning is not that we've suddenly got uh, a massive, or it's not the genetics of the sheep so much, it's what they are actually going on to eat. Is that the, the secret? That's the right. Key? You can only early wean if you've got high quality legume based pasture, which we've always known, um, but in the last 20 or so years, there's been a lot of work in that area across the various legumes, and farmers as a whole are, are using more of those legumes or. or uh, herb legume mixes, they're getting better at managing them, so there's a good opportunity to utilise those in that late spring, early summer period to get some good lamb growth rates. Okay. 
And I just want to, when I was reading, you sent me a whole lot of papers, and um, I only read the summaries because that's where all the key bits are. But one of the key bits I noticed in that is the this isn't something you're recommending or suggesting for everybody at every time. This is a, I think the line was, there's no benefit when grass clover supply can be maintained at unrestricted intake level for the early weaned lambs or for lambs. It's something we do when we need to prioritise feed, or when does it apply? Yep, so if if you're under conditions with your ryegrass-based sward and, and you're not getting covers below 1,200, so you're staying above that 1,200 kilograms of dry matter, well, here the ewes intake is not really restricted. So under those conditions, you'd expect you're producing uh, good volumes of milk, and also the lambs will be getting a good pick of the herbage as well. However, if for any given reason it's dry, etc., and pasture production and quality starts to decline and you get covers below that, um, well, then you'll be starting to limit the performance of the ewe in terms of her milk production and the performance of the lamb. So under those situations, you're probably better to early wean if you've got an area of good quality herbage to put those early wean lambs on. Okay. And 1,200 kilograms of dry matter, what are we talking there, about four and a half, five centimetres? Yeah, about the four centimetres. Yep, yep. that's roughly. But not just hide, it's green, leafy. Yeah, it's got to be good quality green. Clover as well. Yeah, not rank. All right. So... <clears throat> We're going to actually record, I'm in, in uh, Palmerston North at the moment, we're going to record another podcast uh, tomorrow on um, herb and clover pastures, some of the forages we're talking about. So we'll get into some of the agronomy, some of the specifics on that. Keep an eye out for that one. That'll probably be published in a week or two after this one. Or if you're listening to this one down the track, it'll already be on our podcast channel. So go and have a listen to that one as well. But what we're talking about here, so we're talking feed shortages or feed challenges, typically summer dry areas or going into a drought. But that's making sure at the same time we have, you use the term, high-quality legume-based forage. So let's drill into that. High-quality. What are we talking about? It's not just any old sort of alternative forage. No, no. So, so, so you want to f- uh, feed with a, with a high ME, you know, around that 12 or so ME, and with a low fibre content. Mm-hmm. Um, because remember, you've got a young lamb um, who's having to consume herbage, and of course how much he or she can consume is actually restricted by the size of their rumen. And the old rule of thumb was about 35 um, grams of dry matter per kilogram of live weight. So they're restricted by how much they can consume. Uh-huh. So you want them to consume high quality feed, high ME, good levels of protein. And to maximise how much they can consume in a 24-hour period, you actually want low fibre content so that it gets through the system fast. So you're not limiting intake either in terms of volume. Uh-huh. So we know that we talk about high quality feed, but I know this is something I think you were involved in, you know, uh, 19, 20 years ago, we were running programs on this. How do, is there some objective way we can measure that? So we're ensuring it's meeting that or is it the, the iometer works? Yeah, so farmers could get it tested, but that uh, can be expensive and can be slow. If you've got a ryegrass white clover sward, if it's got a high proportion of clover, so that the lambs can actually select enough uh-huh. clover for it to be a significant part of their diet, well, that's fine. However, often our uh, ryegrass-based swords actually have less than 5% clover, if we're brutally honest about it. Um, so, therefore, with the advent and use of either herb plantain, uh, herb, sorry, herb-based uh-huh. uh, sword mixes, which might have plantain chicory in it, with red and white clover, or just plantain with the clovers, um, they're a good option for high quality feed in that spring summer period. Both plantain and, and chicory as companion species to the clover in that period are high quality mm-hmm. in terms of low fibre uh, and high ME and adequate protein. 
Mm-hmm. Or you might use something like a, a pure clover swords, and more and more farmers are having some pure mm-hmm. clover swords around. That's another good option. Or, or a lucerne mm-hmm. uh, sword. Okay. So I just wanted to, I want to specify one thing, or as best we can, when you say high clover, what percentage are you talking? You, um, you really want to be over that 30 40% clover. Which is going to look more like 75, 80%. That's right, right, that's right. When you look at clover, because the way when you look down on a sward, you always think there's more clover than there relatively is there because what you're looking down is at the, the leaves mm-hmm. and there's actually very little under the leaves. So um, farmers always overestimate how much clover they've actually got. Yep. So you'd really be looking at a sward that looks like pretty much, as, as Aaron indicated, two-thirds clover, just looks all clover. Yep. So high quality, talk about what that is. Yeah. Legume-based, why... The legume content in there. I think you know we sort of understand this inherently, but specifically, why do we want that legume in so, there rather than just a chicory or a plantain sword, for example? The 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 legumes are associated with, with higher ME generally. Um, plantain and and say uh, chicory can have slightly lower ME, and their protein uh, may not be that great sometimes, and they can get mature some of those mm-hmm. leaves. Uh, and when you get into the mature chicory and plantain leaves actually have a higher fibre content which limits intake mm-hmm. whereas uh, clovers are always associated with a lower fibre content which means they can consume a lot in a 24 hour period. Okay and you can do that with some of the specialist forages which we're going to talk about in the other podcast in some detail. They can do it on ryegrass, exceptionally good ryegrass and white clover yeah. presumably if you allow them quite a high level of selection. That's right, that's high, right. High, yeah. Offer a lot of feed and don't make them eat at all. That's right, if, if you allow them to have a, a for use of better word, a pick um, and then use another class of stock to clean up. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be the approach if you had a ryegrass white clover sward with a lot of clover. Yep. And lucerne's an option, and we've got a podcast on that, funnily enough, as well, if you want to listen. Um, but what about, I mean, some of the other options are, that have traditionally been our lamb feed, our forage brassica type stuff? It's probably too early okay. in the year because you're talking about um, that late spring period. Yep. And, and probably a lot of those forage brassicas aren't quite ready then. Okay, so it's a... Uh, That's it's more of a timing issue timing than a species issue. Not species issue. Yep. yep, okay, having it ready at the time. So that's the feed. Um, we've talked about how to make maybe that, that whole farm systems decision about what the alternatives are, the ryegrass and clover, how the lambs are doing on, the, on mum and those sorts of things. If you think it's an option, what are the rules of thumb or the rules if, if they're more specific around live weight of the lambs and when you can actually, how early you can get into it if it's a timing issue? Yeah, well, obviously the... Uh, older and the heavier the lamb is, the less affected they are by early weaning. Mm-hmm. But we've, over a number of years, consistently weaned it um, down to 16, even mm-hmm. sometimes 15 kilos, at 45 days of age. And those lambs have performed well if they're put on a sward with a high legume content. Yep. In terms of managing that, because there's going to be a check Mm-hmm. Um, if you take them off the mother. So you don't want to give them a double check of a new feed type and being weaned mm-hmm. and having no milk. So our advice would be if you're going to early wean, and we can talk about which animals you might choose to early wean later, you'd early wean by first having, say, that five to seven day period where the ewe and the lamb uh, are put on that herbage, so the lamb gets adjusted to the herbage, mm-hmm. and then the ewe's removed. Now, of course, you don't want to upset the rumen of the ewe or the lamb by a sudden um, abrupt change. So over that seven day period, you know, you might do a few hours the first day on and off, mm-hmm. increasing your time over those five to seven days. Yep. 
And then once you get to that five to seven days, you remove the mother, and, and the lambs um, then will have adjusted to consuming the herbage, and the effect on the terms of the check of not getting any milk will, will be a lot less. Yeah. So it's not a particularly long transition. No. It's just a slowly step it up over five to seven days, which is probably shorter than we do for brassicas and things like that. That's right. And yep. um, obviously, you know, if you've got a clover content, hope uh, based sward, hopefully the lambs had some experience with the clover mm-hmm. previously with the yep. traditional right rygus white clover sward um, they've been on. Now we have looked at whether or not those lambs maybe should be lambing on those herbages mm-hmm. and then being weaned earlier and always been on the herbage before weaning versus just being born on traditional ryegrass white clover sward and then being walked on and adjusted over five to seven days. There's no difference in terms of the growth post that weaning. Yeah. So they don't have to lamb on that herbage to be able to be adjusted to it post weaning. That works. And, and in terms of timing, again, I mean, if you don't lamb on those blocks, they may have not been grazed for that 45-odd days. Yeah. So you're going to be at that reasonably high dry matter content, yep. high amount of feed, ability for the lambs to select, all that stuff. That's right, that's right, yep. yep. So there's that advantage as well. Yep, and the other advantage is, you know, these are small lambs, you know, 16 to 20 kilos, right. most people in that range. You can put a lot of lambs per hectare. Yeah, so what sort of stocking rate do you get up to? I was, we were going to come to that later, but as soon as you've mentioned it. Uh, so we haven't really looked at the stocking rate because more important when you're using those herbages is about um, how you manage the herbage to maximise productivity. Okay. So it's about putting the animals on there and then removing them or having them in a mm-hmm. rotation so that you don't graze the herbage below seven centimetres. Okay. Um, in terms of, say, say, if you're on a lucerne or, or a herb-clover-type mix. Um, yep. So therefore, the stocking rate's a bit dependent on how much is there at the start. Yeah, and how fast it's growing. And how fast it's growing, etc. Okay. So there's no yeah. hard and fast rule around stocking rate. But rule of thumb, don't get it below seven centimetres. Seven. Yeah. We'll expand on that in a bit more detail. And the other one, you talked around 16, 15, 16. That's not an average or a model. No, that's, that's the bottom end. Yep. That's the bottom end. So, you know, if, if, if you're weaning the average lambs around 20 kilos, you'll have some 16 mm-hmm. kilo lambs. Now, we haven't gone below, below that. Um, of course, we know that people do around the world go mm-hmm. below that, especially those involved in the sheep dairy industry. They, they've got a lot lower than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just currently where we, we are with our research. So we know if you're going to, that 16 kilos minimum works. Yep. If you're going to um, put them onto a legume-based sward and they'll grow just as fast on that weaned as they will of you know, being left on mum with mm. poor ryegrass white clover feeding conditions. And how do you recommend farmers measure that? So they, you could, you sort of talked about there. If the average of the mob is twenty, there's not going to be many below sixteen. Or do you recommend they weigh individual animals and only take the sixteens and above? I think to be safe, I would weigh off the yep. um, uh, off, off the real light ones and leave mm-hmm. them with their mothers yep. for a little bit longer. Yep, and then yep. take them off and into the system yep. when they get to the way, yep. which shouldn't be long if you've taken three quarters of the lambs off and the rest. That's of right. That's right. That grazing pressure's off. Okay. Um, that's a minimum, though. I mean, if, if you... All other things being equal, would you ideally wait and have a, a higher minimum, or is that... Yeah, it, that's right. Um, probably the the higher the, the minimum, the, the the better they will uh, grow, mm-hmm. and therefore the, the better performance, you know, the yep. quicker you'll get into those slaughter weights or... Or required replacement live weights. So if yep. you can, can wait, yes. But what we're talking about here is, you know, maybe pressure, it's a summer dry area or heading into a drought or something like that. 
often it's the sooner you can do it, the better. That's right. And, and the, one of the other classes, which you might touch on later, is those that lamb a bit later, like a hogget. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're yep. wanting to ease the pressure off here as well. Early yep. weaning is a tool for that. So again, drilling in, being a wee bit more objective. Before you talked about those lambs, using that rule, 16 kilos and above, they performed well. Again, grazing not below 7 centimetres. Mm. When you say performed well, what are we talking? Live weight gain per head? Yeah, so they grew just as fast as their counterparts left on mum. Okay. When, when, mother, when the mother was on, you know, um, a ryegrass white clover mm-hmm. of about uh, 1,000 kilograms of dry matter. Yep. If, if you've got ad lib conditions um, on the ryegrass white clover, um, when we compared the ones early weaned versus you and a lamb that's on good pasture, mm-hmm. ryegrass, there was only like a, a 40 to 50 grams per day less. So it's not that much less, even in those conditions. Yeah. So, so they still grow well. Yeah. Yep. But they still, say, 40 to 50 kilos less, but... 40 to 50 grams. Grams, sorry, not kilos. 40, yeah, that's a pretty good growth rate. Um, 40 to 50 grams per day, um, what are you talking about? 250 to 200 or 300? Yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's probably about 270 down to about uh, 220, okay. 230. Yep. So, again, this is sort of a... This isn't something you're recommending everybody does. If possible, you on the lamb on a good yeah. white grass and white clove pasture is... Is the way to go. Is the way to go because if you're doing that, you've maximised milk production. You know, you 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 want to have your set stocking rate at lambing at a level so that intake equals pasture growth, and hopefully under those conditions, pasture covers are always above twelve hundred. And under those conditions, you'll maximise milk production in terms of peak and total milk yield, um, and lactation. um, You'll better gain some condition as well. So. Under most scenarios, if you've got that right, then you wouldn't really have to think about early weaning. The only other time you might want to think about early weaning, even if you've got the feeding conditions right, is if you want to get rid of some of those cast forage or those older ewes into Mm -hmm. the abattoir before the peak, and you can get quite good money for them in the November, early December period. So there are a few farmers who are using this as a way of um, the older ewes getting them off farm early. Yeah, having Um, them identified, having them ready to go, and a flying flock type thing. And we're going to talk about later, it works for lambing hoggets as well too. Yeah, that's right. Okay, but we'll keep. We'll stick to my script because I've carefully worked this out. To how we go through. I just wanted to drill into that a wee bit. That we're talking about early weaning as a tool in the toolbox, if you like, not necessarily something everybody should be doing all the time. Because if I don't specify that, I know how the the press headline will end up. That Beef and Lamb New Zealand is saying everybody take the lamb no. off at sixteen kilos. No good. Right. So it's a tool. Um, any. So you talked there about, actually let's talk about that, you talked there about you know the flying flock, the cast rage used to get rid of them early, etc. Uh, leaving aside hoggets, lambed hoggets, which we'll come back to later, uh, selection of animals, is it just on live weight or would you multiples over singles at the same weight? Is there any difference? Any, um, anything else to take into the, account? The only other can, another mob that you might consider is triplets. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that a triplet bearing you only produces maximum 10 to 15 percent more milk than a twin bearing you so clearly those individual lambs getting a lot less milk and there's work done in the 70s that clearly showed after three or four <coughs> weeks the triplet bearing you is already not producing enough milk for the needs of the mm-hmm. lamb so under those scenarios you know that those lambs are often pushed and, and that's mm-hmm. why farmers note that about three or four weeks of age you often get another drop off in lambs dying in triplets mm-hmm. and that's really when that's before the rumens develop properly and they can, can't compensate and there's just not enough milk so in the triplet situation that's another one you consider is for weaning slightly early for two reasons a the lambs aren't probably getting much milk mm-hmm. and therefore putting them on a good quality diet they'll grow well 
but also that triplet bearing ewe, our average triplet bearing ewe has been pushed pretty hard in late pregnancy and lactation, and she's off, often in poor body condition mm-hmm. um, because she's had to use that to buffer in late pregnancy and lactation. And so early weaning in that situation can also be about giving her time to put on condition before next uh, rebreeding because we, we don't want the ewes in a cycling condi- mm-hmm. situation where they're always in poor condition and yep. then their longevity is negatively affected. So one group that is under significant pressure is a triplet bearing rearing ewe and so alleviating it maybe a few weeks early those lambs off her gives her a few more weeks to get condition back on so mm-hmm. they get good reproductive performance the next year of breeding. Okay and thinking about you know a lot of people with the scanning percentages they are getting in their crossbreed ewes out there and the number of triplets they are having to deal with and having just stressed that we're saying this is a tool you might use as situation requires is that something arguably you could no matter how good the ryegrass white clover is, the the lamb on the ewe is going to struggle because she just doesn't produce milk. Would this be something where you might actually say it could become, and again, we're not saying this is for everybody, but in your, something to consider, this might be something people do every year no matter what? Yeah, that's right. If, if they had enough with area... Triplets. If they had enough area of these alternative herbages, the best scenario is actually to lamb on them because we know yep. those alternative herbages, milk production is, is increased significantly. Lamb, then triplets on them. Yeah. Yep. yeah we, we know that milk production has increased significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, some studies by up to 40%. So you can get uh, significant improvements in lamb survival and lamb weaning weights. Mm-hmm. And in fact, in those studies, not only have we done that, the ewes themselves have been heavier at weaning. Mm-hmm. So in environments where those alternative herbages are coming away at set stocking, that would be the optimal mm-hmm. situation. But often in many parts of New Zealand, the lambing slightly before those alternative herbages okay. are coming underway, mm-hmm. so they can't uh, lamb on them. And, and often farmers only have a small percentage of their farm in these alternative mm-hmm. herbages because the Achilles heel with all these alternative herbages is the fact they don't grow much in winter. Yeah. And so you're limited to how much space you've got by how much you can cope with having out of your grazing rotation in winter. So if they've got a relatively small space, um, then things like the triplets, you might want to uh, consider weaning them slightly earlier than normal and putting a lot of mm-hmm. those triplet lambs on those herbages. Yep, so win-win, get those lambs doing better and get those ewes back into yep. condition by next mating. All right, talked a wee bit about what animals and, and discussed on that. Uh, ad-lib access, so I want to dig into a wee bit what we mean by this. I mean, and people have different understanding of what ad-lib means in terms of what a lot of feed is. Is it as simple as saying if it never gets below seven centimetres, that's, or when we move them on, they will have been ad-lib fed, or what's the, what yeah. else do we need to look at? Um, so of course, seven centimetres is an average across the paddock. Yeah. And and you clearly see when you look at any herbage, for some reason there'll be patches they like and they don't like, and you obviously get patches getting eaten right out. But the shorter um, the shorter you force them to graze down, the smaller the individual bite size will mm-hmm. be. And there's only so many bites they can do in the 24 hour period because they have to ruminate as well. So by many of these alternative herbages, by going about that seven centimetres, that's as much about not limiting intake, uh-huh. but it's also as much about for the benefit of the plant. Okay. Because there's, generally there's just as much biomass above as there is under the ground. And if, if you graze it down low, you end up killing some of the roots. And, they have to, and when the plant starts to regrow again, it starts to replenish the roots again. And then you get in that cycle. And therefore, it's not growing uh-huh. as much herbage above the ground. So much of that seven centimetres is also about maximising productivity of the herbage in uh-huh. terms of how much it grows and longevity of the herbage. If you're always forcing it to grow new roots or uh, yep. putting pressure on those roots, um, 
taking everything out of them, start, the plant starts to die off. Well, the survivability of those plants is reduced. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it's about that. And if you've got a seven centimetre uh, post-grazing height, there's clearly going to be enough there that the intake's not going to be limited. And there'll be enough there, especially if it's a mix, like say a plantain clover mix or a plantain chicory clover mm-hmm. mix, that the animals will be able to choose the quantity of each herbage. It's just like us when we go to a smorgasbord. Yes, people may like steak, mm-hmm. or they may like uh, seafood, but that's not all they eat. Ruminants are not are just the same. They actually want a bit of mix of everything. Mm-hmm. And some ruminants, just like humans, will like more of something and less of another. another mm-hmm. So we, we know when you give a mixed ward, um, you'll actually always get higher performance because there's kind of something in there for everyone. Yep. And so if we're not grazing too low, what you're not doing then is, you know, there'll be some things that we like the most. Like white clover is this herbage that we have in New Zealand that is preferred the most. Yep. Now, if you graze too low, you end up with a low average, but in fact there's bugger all white clover left because they've actually it's picked it all out. out. Yep. Yep. So actually remind me, there was some work done on that around, you know, if they're given their free choice, what proportion of their intake will they have in clover? It's quite high, 60, 70%. Yes, 60, 70%, like but they still will look for a little bit of fibre as yep. well. Yep. Yeah, which is what you, you know, might would have been hard to measure, I guess, but that would that's what you're trying to give them effectively in these swords yep. is that opportunity to eat what they want. So, and it is as simple as seven centimeters. We're not talking kilograms of dry matter or per hectare or anything like that. No. Seven centimeters. Well, seven centimeters is easy because in those some of those swords is actually hard to work out the mass because it's it's yeah, but, but, but because the mixed species, the mixed species, it's hard to work mm-hmm. out the mass. So a a height rule mm-hmm. is easier. Yep. Okay. All right, um, but is it, can it go the other way? Can you have too much? Yeah, because w- w- with any plant, if, if it gets too high, mm-hmm. um, it'll go reproductive. Yeah, you're talking yep. spring, summer here, all those plants will go reproductive, especially if the chicory is a couple of years old and it's been through winter, it can mm-hmm. go reproductive, and chicory can be a very tall stem. Um, and just the same plantain can go uh, into the reproductive phase. Mm-hmm. It goes into the reproductive phase for a long period, but also can get some quite uh, long leaves that are very fibrous mm-hmm. and sheep won't choose them mm-hmm. we don't know why whether there's some component in there a bitterness component but not only is the fiber content high and the quality of the herbage high they choose not to eat it so mm-hmm. then in that situation if it's too high you're starting to to limit intake so you probably want to be somewhere in that um, maximum 30 centimeters mm-hmm. down to minimum that seven yep. window and right. therefore you have to obviously for rotation use something else to clean that up if you have to mm-hmm. and I mean th- those principles are pretty they're the same with the forage brassicas with your lucerns these yep. sort of things don't overgraze them but also don't let them get too far away um, we're going to touch a bit and I'll leave it for now because in the other podcast I keep giving that a bit of a promo if you haven't already listened to it we're going to talk about these swords specifically and some of the, the grazing type management so we've talked about um, transitions and things um Animal health on these swords. What's uh, you've got? A you've got relatively small lambs, so good nutrition anyway is the first thing. But any specific issues we have to worry about? Yeah, because because it's a young growing animal, and you want to maximise its growth, you want to limit any potential hindrance to that. Mm-hmm. So it's naive to think that these crops are 100% parasite free. So internal parasite control is important. You know, you'd be doing the first uh, drenching and then following a regular program mm-hmm. of an effective drench. Um, if you're in a soil type that has some mineral deficiency issues, or well, therefore uh, mitigating against those is important as well. So both of those are really the rules you would follow if you were um, 
growing normal lambs for post weaning, mm-hmm. traditional for finishing anyway. So you got it, but they're even more important with a young animal. Yep. So um, I know for Lucerne, we you know down in my part of the world, um, salt because it's sodium challenging, yep. and they like a bit of salt. Are there any specific trace element or mineral issues with these swords? No, there's. It depends no. on the soil. Depends on the soil. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, what about things like? I mean, with, uh, certainly on. Lucerne being mainly pure swords, we have uh, a bit of red gut and things like that. Do you see that when you're trying to have them this high legume intake? No, no, we haven't seen any um, problem like that. Mm-hmm. But 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 like with all with all fast growing young ruminants, whether you're talking about calves or, or lambs, you the clostridial diseases can cause okay. a problem if you're growing fast. So obviously, making sure the vaccination uh, practices are, are up to where they should be. All right, and actually that's reminded me of a question we get asked regularly, and I can never quite remember. There's the five and ones, the seven and ones, and then what's there's another much more than that one Ten. and ones. Ten, eleven. <coughs> um, any comment on those for what is required or what works on the? Um, there's been no specific studies comparing mm-hmm. whether it's the five and one, seven and one, ten and one, but the very minimum use the five and one. Yeah. Yep. Make sure yep. you keep it up. All right, and I just, um, Paul touched briefly there on the uh, drenching program and things. I can, again, bit of self-promotion, we've got a podcast with Dave Lethbrook talking exactly about that sort of thing and the, the recommended programs for young lambs and internal parasite management. Okay, um, let's talk about anything else around animal health and the transition, that sort of thing. We've covered that pretty no. well in depth. All right, um, Hoggett lambs. So this is, you know, we talk about when they're growing. A wee bit later than pasture, but it's ideal, 45 days or something. What's yep. its place for people that are hoggett lambing, either doing it ad hoc, or, you know, occasionally, or, or doing it regularly? Yeah, so the has a real place also for um, hoggett lambing. Either, again, if you're in an environment, you know, you'd lamb your hoggets on it as well, which some people do, and that has clear benefits for the lambs weaned off the hoggets and the hoggett itself. Mm-hmm. And the work shows that when you lamb hoggets on these herbages you get better performance than lambing even on under the best ryegrass white clover mm-hmm. conditions however if farmers can't do that but they are, are breeding hoggets um, because the hoggett lamb is born a, a month later the lamb's born smaller mm-hmm. the hoggett produces less milk all of those things combine to a smaller traditional weight at traditional mm-hmm. weaning age and then you add to that the fact that they're generally born about a month later so they're uh, lighter again Mm-hmm. And so that often puts farmers off uh, breeding hoggets. What do you do with these light lambs? Um, and then the other thing that puts them off is the negative impact of hoggett breeding or potential negative impact of hoggett breeding on the live weight of the hoggett itself and whether or not she's a decent two-tooth mm-hmm. and her performance is a two-tooth. And because if you're lambing her a month later, like we do with hoggets, she's actually got one less month to recover because she's going to generally be bred mm-hmm. at the same time as as the mature use next year as a two-tooth. So um, that can be a problem. So what you could use the uh, early weaning strategy here is actually weaning lambs born to hoggets on the same date as you, or about mm-hmm. the same week as you're actually traditionally weaning lambs from your mature use. Traditionally weaning, not the, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, so the same rule applies here though, the 16 kilo minimum? Yep, 16 million yep. Mi- minimum kilo. Um, and, and often, you know, many farmers are, Rather than having a 28 kilo uh, average weaning weight, we're around the 25 kilo mm-hmm. weaning weight anyway with our hoggets. So then, if you bring that a month forward, 
um, you are going to be around those those mm-hmm. lot of weights. And so it's a good way of um, getting good quality uh, feed in, into those lambs, um, but also giving that young mother an extra month or so mm-hmm. to recover so she's a decent two-tooth. Because if you don't get her as a decent two-tooth, any advantage of breeding her as a hogget is lost. Mm-hmm. And the same principle we talked about with triplets and timing-wise, you know, having enough of them, but some of these um, crops would, uh, for that reason, work well to lamb hoggets on? Yep. 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 So we're, so lambing hoggets on, on many of these crops, these uh, lucerne or uh, clover-based crops or, or herb chicory plantain, clover-based crops, they're often in peak production around mm-hmm. that um, October, November period, mm-hmm. and that's about when many of our farmers are lambing hoggets, so um, they're a great option for that. And, you know, when we've lambed those hoggets on those compared to a brand new ryegrass white clover, um, not only has performance been greater, we've been able to have 10 to 30% higher stocking rate as mm-hmm. well. So you're winning twice, you're getting more animals on per hectare on each individual animal, whether you you measure that in terms of total weight of lamb weaned or the weight of the hogget itself has been mm-hmm. not high. Okay. So this is another one in a way where it's something, rather than early weaning being something you respond to the conditions, planning to lamb the hoggets on and take those lambs off early might be something yep. you do as a rule of thumb every year because it works well for the system. Yep, yep. Okay. Unless there's an exceptional year where the feed's good, things stay on, etc., etc. Um just want a, a couple of wee things that sort of came up because I think we've we've covered this in in a reasonable amount of detail. And we'll talk about extra. Um, one of the issues is part of the reason why these these swords, and we'll talk about this in the other podcast in more detail. I think why some of these swords actually have a role here as well is because they will grow. They're slightly more drought tolerant or dry tolerant. I mean, they're not just high quality. I mean, chicory was something being promoted in the eighties, in particular, as a yep. drought-tolerant feed. Is that part of the benefit of them here? Yeah, so they tend to be of better quality as well during mm-hmm. that period. So they maintain their quality in that early summer period, and if it goes a bit drier, because of either the, say the tap root mm-hmm. uh, in, in the chicory or the deeper rooting in the in the plantain and the lucerne, um, they have higher performance. Yeah. Yep. And one of but, the other... but definitely want if you're having the chicory plantain. You still need the com- clover component in it. Just having a pure sward of either of those two is not uh, the best management. Okay. There's a bit of crossover here. I suspect we're going to talk about this again in the podcast specifically about those swords, but that's fine because if you've only listened to one of them, you're getting the same message. Now, look, one of the th- questions we get when we talk about, and it's not just these mixed swords or it's lucerne as well, it's the forage brassicas as well, is you're going to get a lot of more dags, aren't you, on your lambs with some of this feed? Is that an issue? Um, we certainly haven't noticed a lot more okay. dags. Yes, you get a bit more liquid faeces, yeah. so you'd expect you could, but we've never, um, in our studies, uh, noticed that of anything being at a problem type level. Fly so, strike, anything like that, with the increased? Um, no, we haven't noticed any no. extra fly okay. strike. Yeah. That's not to say you shouldn't be aware of those issues, but we haven't noticeably uh, seen a problem with no. that. So what are the, I mean, the, we talked about how to do it right, some of the rules and make it work, but I mean, what are the problems you come up with? Is it clostridial vaccine was important? Or what else? I mean, it's not all plain sailing. There must be... Um, no, there aren't really right. many problems. Do it right and it... And yeah, do, do, do it right and it takes care of itself. Um, however, if, if you're, you know, you're early weaning, you don't have that uh, enough of that legume base, then 
you could actually get really poor performance. And yeah. so a lot of that early weaning stuff that was done in the 70s and the 80s, you know, they were getting growth rates of 100 grams per day in those lambs. Uh-huh. But if you actually go back and look at what they did, they had very low clover content. Yeah. Yep. And so it was work done at uh, in the Southland region uh-huh. um, that clearly showed even way back in the 80s, you know, you needed a minimum of 30% and, and of clover content, yep. and the higher the better. So it's just really following that rule, uh-huh. higher clo- clover content or legume content. And so we talked about, you know, triplets and hoggett lambs versus multiples versus singles and the live like that. So what about um, the individual lambs themselves? Is there any effect here or any benefit? You know, ram lambs, ewe lambs, cryptorchids, weathers, is that any compounding effect there? Uh, no, we, we haven't really seen an effect. You know, the, the effect of, say, an entire male versus a, a castrated male or an entire male versus a female comes on a bit later on mm-hmm. when the when the hormone production starts to come up. So in that earlier earlier weaning around that fifty days you don't seem to see an effect. Okay. But you know, post hundred days, you know, as we've known for a long time, entire males grow yeah. faster, So there's it's not something to take into account. It's basically the minimum weight of sixteen kilos. Don't preferentially do it for rams or crips no, or that's right. or you, yeah. yeah. But uh, turn that around, though, um, thinking about how this would, might fit in farmer systems, this is something they could use in areas that are regularly summer dry to guarantee good ewe lambs. We yep. have to actually select their ewe lambs quite early or have selected the ewes that they've bred their ewe lambs they want to retain from. That's right. So not just to finish lambs on this, but actually your next year's replacements. That's right, yep. Yeah. yep. And, you know, um, that, that is a good option, You know, especially if you don't go as low as 16 kilos. Mm-hmm. But... Um, no, it's a good way to ensure your, your lambs are growing, especially in a dry area if you have a high-quality feed. Yep, even yep. if the and, them. and it also has the benefit to the ewe because you're taking away that pressure. Yep. yep, and any lambs, as you say, that are left, there's fewer lambs left with the ewes, that's going to be a benefit, presumably, to those remaining lambs anyway. They're not yep. quite underway. All right, look, that's been a pretty quick tour of early weaning of lambs and getting into the, the do's and don'ts and some of the things to look out for. What have we missed? Is there anything on that? Um, no, I, I don't think we've missed anything. Okay. Um, farmers do have to be a little bit careful, maybe if you're doing it the first year or two, just to consider about how much area you've got of that mm-hmm. herbage. You know, you don't want to wean a, a significant number of lambs and then find out two weeks later they've eaten mm. out that feed. Yep. Because then you've got an 18 kilo lamb, not a 16 minimum, you've got, you know, it's maybe grown mm-hmm. to 18 kilos with no feed. Yeah. So, um, you do need to think that out a bit, you know, which are the ones that need it the most and really what area have I got and how many can I yeah. really honestly cope with. So this is one of those ones, again, you sort of want to commit. You don't want to dabble in it and do a paddock or two. You're talking a, enough, right. a block that you can have a, a rotation. And, yep. So a minimum 20, 25 hectares or something like that? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Again, so, yeah, tough to, to, we've got so many different farms out there, but is it, you need a significant area to start with. To, yeah, yeah. You know, I wouldn't dabble with five hectares because all you'll find is that they've eaten it. Any class mm-hmm. of animal's eaten it out. You've adjusted to it. They've eaten it out. Then you've got to take them off and wait for it to recover. Mm-hmm. So you you do need a, a significant enough area so you can get a rotation going. You know, you want a minimum of a, you know, a three-week gap yep. from grazing for it to grow back all the time. So you need to think about how big area that would require. And that might be between... Yep. 25 hectares. Yeah, so about a three-week rule of thumb again. Yep. Three-week three weeks to come back. Uh, left at the seven-centimetre average about yep. three weeks later. Roughly, um, 
again, it's going to vary all around the country, but when you've been doing your work on it, what sort of height would it be back three weeks later from seven centimetres? What would it have got Well, up it there? depends on the season of it. Yeah. And, and like anything, it depends how much moisture. But it can grow a significant amount. You know, those, those mixes, mm. say a chicory, plantain, clover mix, the total amount they produce in a year is often very similar to a good ryegrass white clover, mm-hmm. but it's when they produce it. Yep. And they're producing it in that summer-autumn period uh, late late spring summer autumn period when quality can be a problem mm. and volume can be a problem and so you can get high growth rates through that um, late spring summer period and it can be you know down to seven centimeters and three weeks later it can be close to that 30 centimeters yep. no problem it can just really go of course these herbages um, often even with the high level of clover in them might need a bit of a uh, a lick over with nitrogen every now and then because mm-hmm. they're you know chicory and plantain um, are high users of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even though there's a legume in there, you sometimes need that as well to be added in. We're going to talk about this tomorrow. You're cutting into my next one. Oh, that's cool. So I think we've covered early weaning pretty well. Good? Yep. No, look. Um, so that's basically coming to the end of the time. But if people want to, they've listened to the podcast, uh, they've got enthused by it, is there somewhere they can find more information online or something they can read or have you published some of this stuff? Where's the stuff? Where is the information? Yeah, so we've we've published uh, a lot of the material um, we've done a lot of talks around the country um, so that's probably the easiest way because the, the scientific publications have far too much mm-hmm. detail um, but you, yeah, you should better find some media reports um, rural press reports yep around um, no fact sheets or anything like that out no fact that, sheets um, yet um, we've just really come to the end, end of okay. this program but we're probably developing a, All a, right. a fact sheet We'll keep in touch. I'll put in the, the blurb of the podcast, a link or two here and there anyway, maybe to a, a key paper if you'd like to have a look at that. And as I said, I just read the abstract and the conclusions and that was enough for me, so they're the key bits. But um, look, I think thanks for now. Um, Paul Kenyon, Professor of Sheep Husbandry, Deputy Head of the School of Agriculture and Environment. There I found my notes where I'd written all that down. So look, thanks for your time. And as I mentioned, if you haven't heard, I have mentioned I'm going to do another podcast with Paul tomorrow morning, my time on uh, these forages and get into some details on the agronomy etc of those so um, keep an eye out for it or um, click through the channel and uh, you'll see it sitting there so Paul thanks for your time no problem thank you